Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Live from the Hill, our very own Jamie Dupree with the latest news from D.C. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington. Many kudos to Jamie. He called New Hampshire dead on accurate, saw the rise of John Kasich and the crowds for Trump and even Ted Cruz and Bush. How are you? Excellent, Sean. Back here, my family actually led me in the door last night, so that was a good thing. Yes. I'm actually surprised that this was their opportunity <laughs> to say goodbye. They've got a little time maybe on my next trip after that. They yeah. can uh, change the locks then. But, you know, interesting watching things now as it's developing. I mean, we're seeing down, uh, obviously, the Republican race sort of multi-layered at this point in time. Cruz and Trump exchanging more shots. Cruz really, again, going after Trump for not being a real conservative uh, you know, you have the other sort of Kasich, Rubio, Bush fighting amongst each other. But Rubio today uh, joining Jeb in going after Trump a little more. And so, you know, Rubio, there's a lot at stake here, certainly for the other three, because if you finish fourth or fifth in South Carolina, I mean, that 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 doesn't help you going forward and trying to stay viable in Nevada and then Super Tuesday. Uh, I think it's critical. Now, you and I have both been pretty accurate in predicting who's going after who in these in these debates I suspect Marco Rubio's a target, and I suspect Trump is a target in this next debate. I would think that, look, if you're not going to go after Trump, then he's going to be the nominee. That's what I think. I I really think that if you leave him alone and you say to yourself, well, I want to be the other guy, the alternative to Trump. Well, that's all well and good, but to be the alternative to Trump might be just the guy who finishes second overall or something like that. And that's that's not what you're aiming for. I think they'll have to be a little more focused on Trump. Rubio went after him today about uh, Trump's proclivity to use profanities and bad words on the stage and sort of turn that into, you know, does he have the temperament and more like that? You know, we'll have to see. Jeb Bush certainly on the stump has gotten a lot more vocal against Trump. Uh, I mean, when I saw him in, in New Hampshire, he really had jacked it up even more than it was in Iowa. Obviously, it hasn't worked that well for him. Cruz, though, has a little bit of a different thing. I mean, if Cruz wants to go after him, uh, Ted Cruz certainly has the firepower, the organization, and the money to not only do it, but to back it up in some of these states that are upcoming now. I totally uh, agree, and I would expect, and, and again, Cruz has that background and experience of being a very strong debater, and and I've got to believe probably preparation is going to be focused on Trump and, and probably the very arguments that you're hearing out on the campaign trail. And that is, oh, he's not a conservative or he's a recent convert to conservatism. Oh, you can't trust him. And I also would suggest to you that there's going to be a very strong appeal during this debate to the evangelical community, oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which makes up two thirds of the electorate in South Carolina. And obviously, which Cruz uh, dialed in on very well. But let's admit it. Trump has also made inroads into that, too. Here's some polling data from Rasmussen that I th- think just crystallizes the sort of befuddling nature of Donald Trump. And that is 30 percent of self-identified conservative voters in this poll consider Donald Trump a conservative. But almost 60 percent think that Trump is a moderate or a liberal. So even though you have so many people who look at Trump and don't see him as true, let's call it true to the movement, you know, being a movement conservative he's or something not a, he's like not that. A, he's not been a movement conservative. People are still supportive that. of him. It's really amazing. I mean, Trump, again, is in New Hampshire. Not only did he win in almost every category, but he also certainly uh, won across the board, again, in, of Republicans of all stripes. He won about 36 percent of very conservative voters. He won 35 percent of just regular conservative voters. You know, that's but, but, but a big deal is, when you think about it. Saying very conservative things. He's also saying and laying out the case that he has converted to be a conservative. Uh, And he uses the analogy that Reagan was once a Democrat. Um, Is he a lifelong um, 
traditional conservative in that model. No, more populist nationalist in that sense. And he's saying a lot of things that conservatives believe in, like controlling the borders for one and how do you, how, kicking ISIS's ass, number two, when he thinks when he talks about the economy, number three, uh, and, and issues such as that. I don't you know, I can't think of one issue that he says now that sounds liberal to me. And if you look at his schedule, as I always like to say, the schedule tells a story. He's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana today, so he's already looking ahead. I think Louisiana, if I remember correctly, is the Saturday after Super Tuesday. He's then in Florida on Friday night. Florida doesn't vote until March 15th, so he's looking ahead. And then next week, the schedule that we've got out so far for him, Monday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he already has rallies right before uh, the primary in South Carolina down in the Palmetto State. So he's getting, he seemingly Trump is going to get in a few days away from the state and then uh, really focused mainly he's on actually, South he's Carolina. He's done this. He's done this all throughout. He's, this is he, not meant as yeah. criticism or anything. I'm just sort of giving you the idea that, no, uh, that he's obviously looking longer term in this well, in I a mean, way that the others are not. Early on, he went to Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee oh, yeah. and Mississippi. I mean, he's been looking towards Super Tuesday now for a long time, where other candidates haven't gone near those states. No, and again, uh, he's. Uh, I, I still think he's in very, very good shape. And and the fact that Rubio really got derailed uh, by Governor Christie, uh, I think, really set him back and may have uh, changed this race a little, at least in the short term. Obviously, since we spoke yesterday, both Governor Christie and Carly Fiorina got out of the race, even though Fiorina had said on election night in New Hampshire that she was remaining in it. Uh, for Governor Christie, you know, it's interesting because both he and John Kasich, also a fellow governor, did the same thing, basically. They played a little in Iowa, but basically they th they were all in in New Hampshire. It worked for Kasich. It did not work for Christie, who ended up finishing sixth, and he leaves with zero delegates. Heck, at least Carly Fiorina will have one delegate that she won. The big race among the Democratic Party is the black population of South Carolina. Uh, you have Bernie Sanders meeting with Al Sharpton, and they went to a well-known restaurant in Harlem known as Sylvia's. Uh, then you have uh, him going on The View and talking about plans for criminal justice reform and wanting cops to get arrested more. Then you've got Hillary Clinton on, on her side, and uh, a brutal takedown piece of her uh, that was written by a liberal you know, pu publication, The Nation, saying that the Clintons, why the Clintons do not, why Hillary Clinton does not deserve the black vote. But um, you also have uh, also many other indications that this is about the black vote for her and for Bernie Sanders. Now, they, the Clintons seem to think that they have a lock on this vote. Polls well, showed before in 2008 that she was doing better than Barack Obama. It didn't turn out that way. No, it didn't. And that's why I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to watch this, because I remember being in South Carolina at about this same point in time eight years ago uh, when Bill Clinton went down there and stirred things up and things began to turn against Hillary Clinton. Uh, today, though, was an interesting sign here in D.C. We had members of the Congressional Black Caucus, their political action committee arm, same members, but a different little organization well, endorsing who, her. Yeah. who came out and endorsed her today and really sort of rallied to her side and a number of them who are pledging that they will go down to South Carolina and, and, and stump for votes for her in coming days as well. So you're seeing some of that organization, the same kind of thing that Hillary Clinton tried to do eight years ago. But the difference was back then you had some of those people peel off of her and shift over to Barack Obama, like John Lewis, the civil rights icon out of Atlanta, who was one of the first to do that, and others followed. Now, Bernie Sanders is somebody different. For example, I saw John Lewis when asked about uh, Bernie Sanders and his work back in the 60s in the civil rights effort. 
that he didn't really have much to do with it, though Sanders was around at that point in time. So there's definitely a friction internally here and an effort by the, the Clinton camp to lock up more of those black lawmakers and African-American yeah. leaders to get them well, on the their comments, side. The comments by Hakeem Jeffries, who's a, a Democrat from New York, that Sanders is not a true friend to blacks. Uh, it's good to have new friends, but I would prefer to have true friends, uh, I think is pretty brutal. Now, when... Bare-knuckle stuff, buddy. We're getting to that point well, in time, really. South Carolina's always bare-knuckles. Now, when you go back and you look at what happened in New Hampshire, and remember Madeleine Albright, there's a special place in hell for didn't women. Didn't work out very well, did it, it? It didn't work out well, so... Just like eight years ago in South Carolina, it didn't work out well when Bill Clinton really turned up the heat as well. I remember being in an event with him mm -hmm. uh, in Charleston where his speech was fine, and then on the road line, he said something that turned into a big story. So yeah, the, the Clinton uh, the Clinton camp has a a record that speaks to some missteps at times when they bring people out. I mean, I think of the, the Madeleine Albright remark, uh, I think stuck in the craw uh, for a lot of people in, in New Hampshire, uh, and especially for women. And it was obvious to me from doing interviews in Iowa and in New Hampshire that there are a lot of women, especially younger women, who do not look at it as a lock that they should be voting for Hillary Clinton. And, and to me, Hillary Clinton, in thinking back where she was and what it was like to follow her eight years ago in the race against Obama and compare it to now, I really think, as my reporter gut tells me, Sean, that she is in a weaker position now than she was See, eight years ago. See, I agree with ago. you. And the, narrative... but the only issue I would have is... Yeah. Is the her opponent a stronger one now than eight years ago? No, it's a weaker opponent. And I'm not opponent. so sure about that. It's a weaker opponent, but the narrative on, on Tuesday night in New Hampshire, as I flipped all over the dial, was, oh, she's going into friendly territory. Well, that was the same narrative in 08, and she didn't get the black vote. Um, let me go on to something else. Jay Carney, and I don't think he went rogue here, probably with a wink and nod, former propagandist for Obama, said that, he thinks the president has signaled while remaining neutral that he supports Secretary Clinton's candidacy and would prefer to see her as the nominee. You think he's speaking for Obama? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's that's the thought. I mean, obviously, he may be in touch with him and more. Uh, I, I would think that everybody would just sort of guess here in D.C. that the, the Obama machine, on one hand, might put its thumb on the scale. But remember, there's, you know, there's still hard feelings among some of them from eight years ago in that primary fight. I mean, just look at some of the comments of David Axelrod on Twitter in recent days. So I, I see what you're saying, uh, but, but I don't know about that. We'll see. Did we you do have email news today, actually, on the Hillary Clinton yeah, front. A federal, federal judge has ordered the release of these emails that have been still held back by the State Department, and they'll be coming out at least on four different days, evidently, is what this judge has ordered the State Department to do. So not only right before Nevada, which is on the 20th, but also before uh, South Carolina, uh, the primary that they have on the 27th for the Democrats, and then right before Super Tuesday, at the end of February, you'll have another release. So four more dates conceivably, Sean, where we'll be talking about, hey, they released more Hillary Clinton emails, and you never know, there might be a few, one would think there'd be a few more in there that would have uh, classified material that had been held back or blacked out or redacted in there that only further fuels that story. There are emails now that show the press literally taking orders from Hillary Clinton. Oh, those just disgust me. All right, this is a 2009 exchange between uh, Mark, is it Ambinder, I think is how you say Ambinder, his name. yeah. Ambinder, okay, the, the editor of The Atlantic. 
Kasich, and Felipe Reigns, who's a close advisor to Clinton, and uh, they gave him an advanced copy of Clinton's speech, and then they told him exactly, they, they got him to I mean, agree I to three conditions. I mean, I can't believe as a reporter, why, why would you ever agree to do that? I mean, you know, this is when I'm happy that I don't suck up to all these people to try to get all these unnecessary scoops that last for about six hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, as you're a reporter, you're going to let somebody else tell you using your to, own voice, something? Using your own voice, describe her speech as muscular. And guess uh, what he wrote? It's a muscular. muscular speech. How could you do that as a reporter? You're not, I mean, well, he's a hack. PR. I mean, it's, it's, he's a hack. He's a PR go, person. But there's go many. Go PR if you're going to do that. I just, I, I don't get that as a reporter. I know what it is. It's the drive to get things first. It's the drive to, to break stories and more. Yeah. But it's just, it, to me, it, it, and, and look, there's another, there have been other email exchanges that have been released as well involving Reigns and other reporters. And unfortunately, I think it's probably it happens kinda, much more than I care to think. our point that the liberal media does exist. Uh, a couple of other problems that Hillary Well, has. here's the problem is I think it goes on with everybody, no matter the administration, because it's just a big effort to try to get out uh, the message, try to break something, and then it's a, a little quid pro quo, and it becomes transactional journalism more than anything else involving the people who are in charge. You know what I'm frustrated about? The last poll numbers we have out of South Carolina with January 23rd. Uh, tomorrow, I bet. Some tells me tomorrow morning uh, maybe we start getting more numbers. And, you know, it was funny because I, I have that same aggravation. Like, what do you mean there's no numbers? we got to have some numbers. There was a poll out of Oklahoma today that was run by the Oklahoma newspaper that had in Oklahoma Trump at 30, Cruz at 25, Rubio at 21. That might be a little glean into Super Tuesday. Well, yeah, and that and actually what I'm interested by that poll is you would have thought, well, Rubio is probably going to fall off the edge of the earth here because of New Hampshire, but this poll was totally after the debate in New Hampshire. Now, it wasn't really after the results in New Hampshire that much, but that's shows Carson not there, Bush not there, and Kasich not there. Now, maybe that changes because it was really before the results in New Hampshire, and John Kasich might get a little bit of a bump because of that. Uh, it's going to get very, very interesting very fast. Kasich is getting big crowds, actually, uh, in the last couple of days down in South Carolina. So That's... at least, you know, he's getting that momentum boost that you would typically get from I, having I a result like that. Trump, Bernie Sanders, Kasich, and maybe even Cruz will have good numbers. I no, I think Cruz will have good numbers in South Carolina. Not maybe Cruz, but I think Cruz had a good finish in New Hampshire, considering the lack oh, of yeah. time and money Absolutely. and effort he put in there. So, all right, no, and, yeah. and we'll just see. We'll just see. All right, Jamie, thank you. See you, Sean. All